0: Hello, you're listening to History Out Loud, chat from the stacks with Calderdale Libraries, with Sarah Rose and Jill Carpenter. Today, we will be talking to writer and folklorist John Billingsley about Calderdale's elusive ways. We're back we're back again with john billingsley um local writer historian uh what else would you like to be introduced as
1: <laughs> Given the topic <laughs>
0: <laughs> not morris dancer no, no. Uh, yeah and uh, we're going to have a chat about um corpse ways so i think probably a small introduction um John and me we were several years ago isn't it we were working Mm. together in local studies and um, the subject of corpse ways came up and I knew nothing about it and John knows knew quite a bit about them and especially about the one local in Hebden Bridge um, called the old course road so John gets out one of the um, big sheet maps Ordnance survey sheet maps and shows me where it is and I think well you know, i'm i'm walking up that every single day, and I had absolutely no idea that this you know was anything other than a path and um i was I thought like, right next time I go i'm going to be looking out for all these things John was talking about, and so that's how it it started um and then jump forward to uh, last year and I kind of remembered about this conversation. Did a little bit of research, did a, a little audio film, not very detailed, and and um, at the same time, John is has been researching in much more detail um, local corpse ways. So here's John. And uh, so first of all, what what is a corpse road or a corpse way? How would you describe it? And when did you first become um, interested
1: in them? Okay, well, first off, I have to say. Jill, that was a lovely little film, and oh. <laughs> really, I really liked it. <laughs> and uh, I thought, oh, good, somebody's somebody's been listening to our conversation. That's great, uh, and it really fired up my enthusiasm and rekindled the interest in corpse ways. So, so thank you for that. um What is a corpse Briefly, it's um, Briefly, can I do anything? Briefly, I'm not sure, but it's it's the route that people carried a body from the the place of death to the place of interment, i.e., the church, and over over the centuries, places routes like that have become customary. And at this point, you have to get you know bear in mind that. That theoretically could make every single path that a dead body has ever passed a corpse way, but you need to think maybe of of certain customary routes. What Stuart Dunn calls vernacular routeways, rootways which are just accepted to be for a particular purpose. Um, so, and the little tracks from home to one of these arteries won't really count, but when you hit a kind of customary artery to the burial church, that's when you've got a corpseway. And the corpseways typically would, they're sometimes called coffin routes, but coffins wouldn't usually be carried because carrying, if you can imagine carrying a coffin, from, say, the top of Craig Vale to Hepton store, it's not going to be that c- comfortable, really. Um, it could actually be uh, pretty risky. So. Bodies would be wrapped, wrapped up in this white shroud, stitched in so that neither smells nor juices <laughs> could get out, you know, because they're going on a journey um, and then they'd be put on a beer, a kind of stretcher. And then carried like that. So you'd want paths which in some areas a horse could go on, uh, but often it would just be a team of uh, four people, four bearers, plus any mourners going along them. So the corpse ways are these traditional, accepted, habitual routes to The church, and you find them obviously everywhere. the The Keld Mooka Corpseway in North Yorkshire is famous is a famous one, and local tourist associations. Um, There's another famous one in Rydling called in Cumbria, uh, near Wordsworth's cottage, and some local heritage organisations are trying to bring them into into use as a kind of tourist option, walk the way of the dead, kind of thing. <laughs> um, which, which might happen here, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I might get asked to do a, a, a guided walk on them in my top hat or something. I'd go on that. Um, <laughs> <That'd be
0: good. laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could be quite fun, uh, maybe. Um, anyway, these, these routes are contingent really on large parishes. So if you think of old Halifax Parish, that extended up to Cross Stone, for instance. Um, and the distance, when do you think if somebody dies in Cross Stone, the, they've got to be carried to Halifax for burial? And all these other areas, Middenway, Crag Vale, Eastwood, Hepton Stall, and so on. <laughs> That was pretty onerous. So round about the 13th century, Heptonstall Church was set up as a subchapel, but only for services. And at some later point, um, it was set up as a place with burial rites. So the corpseways, which would have firstly have been taken, taking bodies to Halifax, some of them then shifted and went directed towards Hepton Store. There's a route from London Foot goes up Danny Lane, Roebuck's Lane, Abbey Lane, um, Newlands Road, and then down Gibbet Street. That's a corpseway, a Kirkgate from London Foot and probably Erringdon. And it took them into Halifax for burial. Um, The ones that I started, well, after I saw your film, Am I answering your question, by the way, Jill?
0: Yes, 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 you are, yeah.
1: I oh, got, off, got off the path a bit.
0: <laughs> um, uh, I think we need to say something about John the Baptist, um, which is the name of the parish church in Halifax, and Thomas a Beckett, which is the name of the church in Heptonstall, and the uh, interesting parallel between these two saints,
1: Heptonstall was the first Chapel of Ease with burial rites, Mm ancient Halifax Chapel. And with specific reference to what you've just asked, a few years ago, I was up at dawn on winter solstice at Old Town, up before dawn, because I wanted to see how much longer the day was in Old Town than it was in, say, Hebden Bridge. <laughs> so that's a different. And as it happened, it was three hours. You get three hours more sunshine a day up there. Um, right,
0: but, moving.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it 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 kind of sheds a light, if you'll excuse the pun, on um, on certain other concepts uh, like the dark satanic mills things and uh, and the way traditions grew up in the valley is distinct from the shelves and so on Mm -hmm. but that's for another day but the thing as i was walking down having watched the sunrise in old town i was walking down to hepton bridge and i noticed that the the winter solstice sunrise the first place it hits in the upper valley is the hepton stall hillside and if that's so then the first building it hits will be the tallest building in that hillside which would be Heptonstall church yeah now saint john the baptist is a saint of the summer solstice uh and there's there are some suggestions that halifax might have might have beacon hill for instance that might have had an older fire association um and thomas a beckett is his feast day is December 29th. That makes him a winter midwinter saint. So the suggestion is that that and I'm making is that Heptonstall Hillside was recognized as the the corollary to St. John the Baptist, that was a solstitial axis for the parish. And so they drafted in St. Thomas, not just because he was popular, but because he was the solstice, winter solstice saint. And the thing about the winter solstice is that it's the um, it's a traditional, it's traditionally associated with death. Um, And when we say traditional, it seems to be even related to death in Stonehenge, for instance, so we're going back a long while here. And we we have a putative alignment in old Halifax parish in medieval times between life and death, and that's represented by the long axis between Halifax and St. Thomas of Becket Church. so uh, the first um courseways directed away from Halifax will go towards. That. And that kind of makes some intuitive sense as well.
0: Yeah, I think that it, it's fascinating, and and I think it's feasible,
1: completely feasible. It lays an it lays the foundation for an esoteric understanding of the landscape in Christian Parish of, of Halifax. Having said that, there are a lot of historians that will absolutely hate the idea of an esoteric aspect. So. um it's safe for a folklorist to say this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um the corpse the corpse roads, corpseways, they didn't they didn't always follow a logical route, did they? Um seemed
1: to hmm.
0: do you have any ideas of why that might be?
1: Uh other possibilities. Uh, these are not 100 percent in any case, but We've noticed that, in some cases, um, and we've heard, we've, I came across references to this in Morley near Leeds as well, that in some cases corpseways avoided highways, busy highways. Now that might be because a corpseway, um, we, we're looking at it from the perspective of of the living. And we see it as a path to carry the corpse, carry a dead body. But the dead body is seeing it in a different way together. This is the, the, the soul that is being carried to its last resting place, the resting place where it will be blessed and hopefully sent to sent to heaven. So if you look at it from um, the, the corpse's perspective, this is a sacred journey. And the bustle of a highway and all the worldly activities of it might just not be good for the soul, as it were. Um, and so that's one possible reason. Another possible reason, and noticing it in the corpse ways from Craig Vale, is that they seem to get to a position whereby um, they can get a sight of Heptonstool Church as soon as possible. So if you're going from from where Cragvale Church is nowadays, you're going straight up the hillside, a bit of a climb, and then you're going across the moor, which is an appalling moor to cross at any time, you know, let alone when you're walking 400 years ago. Um, But it gets you a sight of Heptonstool church quite quickly um, and there are other possible routes which suggest corpseways coming up from um, near great house in uh, in cragvale and they also they go uphill steeply to get to this one point from which the corpseway is then following the line of sight all the way to hepton even when it goes down into hepton bridge now I think you can maybe see that as a way of focusing intention. It's a kind of walking prayer, if you like. Um, We are going to, we are going to heaven. And and there are alternatives from the one from um, Hebel End, from the Clapper Bridge. They could have climbed a little further up the hill and they'd get onto a highway, but they didn't. They went across the fields. But if you go across the fields, you get a sight of Heptonstool Church quicker and it stays in front of you for longer than the high route. Um so there may be that may be a reason.
0: Like a proper pilgrimage in a way.
1: Yeah, it, it it takes on the sense of a pilgrimage once you get a visual sight. And there's one thing I'm thinking on your corpse way there. Um there's a junction you come to, and if you go straight across, that's the corpse way. It takes you round the hill um, and comes to Lily Hall. But there's a big wide path. And remember, remember your Thomas and stories as well as the biblical stories. Big wide path goes off to the left. But if you take that left turn, you come to Hellhole. Now I don't-, I don't know when Hellhole got its first name makes me wonder was that was that part of narrativizing the store the the landscape here you know you don't go left there or you go mm. wrong similarly on uh, Crag Vale on the Crag Vale one, at the point at which you get your first sight of Heptonstall Church, if you're taking the winter route or the uh, the one from around Bel uh, great house. There's a lane called Old Harry Lane, Old Harry being a nickname for oh, yeah. the uh, devil. That's the route you don't take. You go straight on. And if you go straight on, that's when you see Hepton's In other words, you're focusing on heaven each time you do that. Uh, that junction on the old course route, for instance, if you had to choose which path to take um, just by eye, well, the big broad path is the one to the left, but the um, the correct and the, the narrow path which climbs uphill is the one that's straight across, which is the corpse way.
0: I remember reading about um, that these crossing points in where where course roads cross another path or road it, they were considered extremely dangerous for the soul because of the the possibility of the soul taking a wrong turning. Mm. And that quite often they were marked in some way as a as a kind of no, it's this way. Um, um I wanted to ask you about, because I didn't again, after doing research on this, the old course road, I had absolutely no idea about this, but you mentioned it in in the talk you did, um, Journeys Between the Worlds of uh, Miriam Marks.
1: Marion Marks.
0: Marion Marks, sorry. Okay. And um and I realized, and, and you you mentioned it as well, that at this point, at this crossroads in this on this particular course road, there is actually there is um Marion Mark just oh, at that course. point. Yeah. yeah. And I've walked, even though I knew it was a course road, I've walked up there and I've seen this marked. It's a carving, it's like a carving in the stone, which looks like a W. Um, and it's got a G next to it. And I just assumed it was somebody's initials, you know, like William Greenwood, you know, which is a you know a pretty common name um for, for the, around here, uh, you know, historically speaking. Um but John, do you want to just talk a little bit about Mary and Mark?
1: That, well, that 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 stone you mentioned has got three letters on it. It's got T, G, and W. Um And if you look closely, all the letters are of a different depth and they're all slightly different in execution. So my interpretation is that they've all been done at a different time. Um, The W is the important one. It's it's not a simple W, it's a crossed W, two Vs put together with uh, the centre shafts interlocking. Um, That, in the field of apotropaics now apotropaic is the word we use for um averting evil or misfortune um in the world of of those those of us who delve deeply into these things um the w cross w is um the the classic marian mark and it's said to stand for Virgo Virginum, Virgo Virginum, that is, Virgin of Virgins. So it's a Catholic blessing. The great thing about it is that you can be turned upside down, in which case it's Maria. The other great thing is, um, and we're doing a podcast so it will be lost on listeners altogether, um, but if you scrunch up the palm of your hand, um, bring the, the thumb and that together, look at the palm of the hand, you'll see in the lines of your hand a W cross W. Oh, yeah. You've got, you've got the blessing in your hand right there. Um, so it, it has a kind of, it's a symbol with several layers of meaning there. Um, you'll find Marian Marks as medieval graffiti in churches. Uh, if If you're someone who likes scurrying around old churches and seeing what you can find, look at the the pillars along the by the pews or the door jams of uh, both up the chancel and the entry. and you'll find these lots of bits of graffiti in the marian mark, the cross top is the quite the commonest of all. Um, you'll also find it scratched inside homes on on woodwork inside homes for instance you'll find it on some door jams and there are at least two other marion marks on corpse race. another one we've found since the talk is up in cragvale higher uh, end in cragvale which has got a cross on it as well and a backwards end for that matter but we think that might just have been a carver's mistake uh, <laughs> We can't we can't make out that quotation. <laughs> um, so um so these Marian marks would be in this context of a soul's journey, would just be a blessing on them. But they are still graffiti, so it raises the question of when were they done, you know. We and we don't know, we just don't know these things. But I noticed that a lot of resting places, there are other bits of graffiti. At Warley Edge Well, for instance, there's a Marian mark. But there's also a kind of a game based on nine on a version of Nine Men's Morris, which also is used as an apotropaic, evil-averting uh, mark. And there's also lots of, um, there's a circle there, there's... Um, There's lots of initials as well. So something in my mind says, well, the bearers will sit down, they'll take a rest. Yeah, they'll probably sing a few hymns or say a prayer or something like that. Maybe somebody will chip out a graffiti mark, maybe, or maybe people will just run their fingers in it to kind of reaffirm it as a prayer. But maybe people will just bang out something because they're a bit sitting around with nothing to do. You know, the graffiti impulse, but the Marian marks are quite, um, yeah, they're quite important in the sense that they're Catholic and whereas in the corpse ways, they might very well have been done in a Catholic context. When you start finding them in vernacular architecture around here, we're dealing with the 17th century at the earliest which is definitely not a catholic culture so they they persisted into post-catholic culture um so that indicates that they were just thought to be something one did as a blessing so they became unanchored from catholic from religion and anchored into folklore
0: There, there was something else as well that um coffin coffin stones now you talk about hebble hole and i had no idea that there was also a course a course road coming over you know from where the pennine way goes and then coming down into the bottom of um what they call jack bridge don't they
1: no that's uh, jack bridge is the bit where the pride where the pub is at the top of golden valley um there's the,
0: where it drops down is that hebble hole where it yeah, crosses the river and there's right. that little foot bridge
1: where you've got um, the Bappa bridge yeah
0: yeah and i had i had no idea that this 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 long stone was actually you know it it was a coffin rest
1: i do have to say that, that you know when we're dealing with corpse ways we're dealing with something with almost no documentary background um the Hebel End one, we we know it's a way because Murray Seacombe found these references to it and it was Murray's work on the Wakefield court, court rolls which found documentary evidence for corpseways which helped my own research immensely because um, you can't just go out and say, oh, I think this is a corpse road. You need some supporting evidence. Um, mm-hmm. As for that one at Hebel Hole, I... would looked down at this long stone and thought hmm yeah, that's long that looks like a coffin stone and in fact it would take a coffin yeah. but i've already said that it wasn't coffins that, that were carried generally speaking um it might be a wicker coffin sometimes but but that's what it looks like and i've I seen it for years and i thought mm, okay murray's find in the wakefield court records confirmed that this was a corpse way." Therefore, the argument that that long stone might be a coffin stone is stronger. Um, and it's an awful lot of conjectural evidence we have to, to build up. Some other coffin stones, you think, well, you can't get a coffin on that. If you go to Rydal, the one that I mentioned earlier near the Wordsworth Cottage, um, there's, it, it's, it's a little square stone. You couldn't rest a coffin on it. But maybe you could rest a beer against it and a few others are the it, it's just the ones that you know from your dog walk up the course the old course road um you can only rest something against it really can't you, you don't want to put the thing on the ground but you can prop it up that'd be all right so um so it's, it's big stones which you can prop it up on but that one's that one's a fascinating place altogether that that bridge with the with the long stone mm. Um, the question is where it goes beyond there. Yeah,
0: that there was there was something else that that you mentioned um, in journey between the worlds and this this to me is the most special thing of all, which has blown the top of my head off, really. Um, and when you, it's when you talk about singing brink,
1: One of my favourite places in the in the whole valley. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Go on. I'll let you describe it because it. (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, basically, what it is is um, a place at which five paths join. There are two copiously flowing wells um, at the junction. There, Um, there's also an old stone bank with hawthorns in it, which may be relevant, it may not. Um, but what got struck me as interesting when I first came across it with my mind switched on, was um, when you look around the valley, every every bit of land is taken up. There are dry stone walls which put every little patch into enclosures. And in between them you've got trackways mm. you don't have a triangular bit of um unenclosed well not unenclosed so much but unproductive land which is what this is just left you know the, the nearby fields are all truncated in order to keep this space free and uh, that makes me and then there's all, it's a hub of these paths so this just makes me think well how come nobody said I want that bit of land? Um, and the the field just below it, between it and um, Lum Bank, is the one that's called Singing Brink. And when we found out again, thanks to Murray, that the the track that's a beautiful causey track coming across the uh, top of the field from uh, Slater Bank, I think it is, uh is a way and then it leads from this little triangle of land up towards Hepton's door. Um, It made sense. If it's singing Brink, oh, people would have been singing there <laughs> and they would have needed space to. To get together in there, uh, you've got the stories of the praying hole elsewhere around Hepton's store, for instance, but um, so at first I thought it might be connected with that. Uh, I don't think it is.
0: It's interesting, though, because now that there is a bench there, isn't
1: there? There is indeed.
0: And it's where walkers will sit and eat their sandwiches. Um, Quite often, if if I go up there walking the dog, it's a really remote place, but there, there quite often will be somebody there. I, I always tighten my bootlaces there. Um, it It's strange, really, how ritual can persist in a place and people can carry on using it in, a, in, a, in that way. It's like a nexus, almost.
1: This is one of the things about when I was walking between the heyday of the corpseways, which, of course, was... Um, before the before the chapels, because when chapels opened burial grounds, people didn't have to drag them to their, their dead bodies so far. Um, and so we're probably talking that courseways go up until mm, they started to, de- to decline around the end of the 17th century and so on. Um, but it went on in some areas, into, well into the 18th century. At that time, the enclosures had already started so and the fields had appeared all around the, the the valley but in a number of cases these old paths cut straight across the fields so enclosure is entirely rational so putting a path directly across an enclosed field is irrational but it was preserved it was preserved because it was a known path that had to be kept um and uh you know that Stuart Dunn is, is building on that in the, his idea of vernacular routeways, where you places, rootways, where you do a particular thing that's for a, a route, um, which was in the the life cycle of the local community. Uh, but there's the other the other implication of all these ways is that being journeys of the soul, the last journey of the soul in this world what they're doing is sacralizing the landscape it's, it's not just the the axis the calendrical axis between Halifax and Hepson Storm um, all these little arteries are laying a, 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 a quasi-sacred web across the land so um and it once you kind of tune into that it can be strange walking on them because you're aware that you're actually walking in two worlds at once
0: i like that idea i think that's a nice, nice place to leave it, isn't it yeah 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 thank you so much john
1: we've talked you to death thanks uh, thanks a lot for giving me the uh, opportunity to blather
0: You've been listening to History Out Loud, chat from the stacks with Calderdale Libraries. Presented and produced by Sarah Rose and Jill Carpenter.